Praise the Lord. All right. Very good. Oh, I got a, you got a new seat? Okay. All right, no, you just stay put. It's all right. Okay. All right, so... Uh, So we've got a packed house here tonight. I think there's about 200 people here. Welcome to every one of you, wherever you're from. Uh, we're glad you can join us here tonight. So uh, we have uh, a team of uh, three wonderful anointed men of God, <clears throat> one of whom is celebrating his birthday today. Samuel, why don't you stand up for me? That's Samuel Hood. Happy birthday, Samuel. Samuel turned 17 today. That's, uh, that's Alan's son. All right. And uh, so, yeah, last year we, we had a wonderful guest speaker uh, with Ronnie Henderson and Stephen Beauchamp. Stephen, Stephen is the uh, director of Healing Deliverance Ministries at IHOP, and we had a wonderful time with him last year. Amen. I mean, it was it was a powerful time. <clears throat> I remember Caleb got blasted. I never seen him get blasted like he did during that night. He was on the ground crying like a little baby, like. <laughs> I loved it. I loved watching it. Yeah, yeah. No, it was an ugly cry. It wasn't one of them ugly cries. Well, God was getting him real good. God was getting him real good. Uh, and so uh, Stephen remembered us uh, on this ministry trip that it opened up for him uh, here with a uh, Korean ministry called Pure Nard. And so they've been uh, doing a conference for the last few days. And they've just been pouring into uh, all the uh, Korean brothers and sisters and Korean churches that have come out for that conference. Hey, let me get a little more mic. And, uh, and uh, they've just been having a wonderful time. And during their stay, they had one day free. And so they, today was that day, and they just asked if they can come and uh, just have a worship time with us. And so just really out of just love and friendship, and just uh, they just really want to be with us tonight. And so we're just so glad uh, that they can come. And Stephen brought... Uh, a good friend of his, uh, who is also uh, a wonderful anointed man of God. He's the uh, president of IHOPU right now, um, uh, which is kind of IHOP school. Uh, they they, they uh, bought out this huge shopping center, and they turned it into a school. So it looks like a shopping center, but it's really a school. Um, and he's, he's the president of IHOPU. And so uh, Alan Hood is also joining us tonight. And so I don't know, who should I call up first or... Okay. All right. So uh, you guys are going to need to listen carefully. Um, we're, we're, we pray for Alan's uh, voice uh, to be healed. We were praying for him earlier. Uh, but j- just in case he wants to kind of save his energy a little bit, just listen carefully. Uh, no coughing. All right. No moving around in your chair. All right. Turn off all your cell phones. All right. And let's put our hands together. Welcome to Alan Hood.
I just, I just love to see your faces. I, I was telling your pastor that um, I don't think I've seen more beautiful light in their eyes, young people, than when I walked up that stairwell. <laughs> and you were enduring that heat to wait to get in a room to love Jesus together. You know, loving him, loving him is a great privilege. Loving Him together is a delight. And I, I just see the Lord so present in you. I told Him, you, what you have in this room is, uh, I tell you, you can't tell anybody this. But I would rather be in this room with you than any church in Korea. But you can't tell anybody. No, I mean that. I, if you could turn it down a little bit. Um, I, I, I mean that I, I had that sensation when I came up of Mary of Bethany, that you're a Mary of Bethany group and that you're his friend and that he loves to spend time with you. You know, uh, God in the flesh is uh, he's uh, prone to hang out with 20 and 30 year olds. He is actually. When he call, if you can turn it up just a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he he loves to hang out with twenty-year-olds and thirty-year-olds. It's his favorite. In fact, that's why he called him the leadership. God loves to hang out with young people. In fact, he said in the Bible, "I remember your labor of love of your youth." I will not forget it. Do you know you can make decisions now at this age that has exponential impact for the rest of your life? You can't do that at 40. You make it at, in your teens or your 20s or 30s. God looks at it and it has greater impact. I remember the days of your youth, God says. The days of your youth when you had every other choice but you chose me. You were, hey, it's easy for an old man to choose him because we don't have many options. <laughs> Our strength is failing. Our bodies are breaking down. We try to do things we used to do and then we pay the price for the next five days. And so we have to cry out to God for help. You know, uh, and so as you get older, you, you touch your weakness. And so coming to God is easier. But when you're in your 20s and with all the options, you choose to say, I love you. He remembers that. That's a big deal to him. You know, we think of God as an abstract, ethereal force out there. He's not. He's a person. And when you move towards him in your youth, he's undone by it. That's what I was feeling. I just wanted to sit actually... I was sad he called us up here. I wanted to sit and hear you sing for about an hour or two more because I could feel how he feels towards you and the delight in his heart. So I'm really honored to be with you. I'm really honored. I, I'm not saying that as a kind of a diplomatic thing as a speaker. I'm really honored. I'm also honored because I, the prophetic spirit that God is going to raise up missionaries and labors for all over the world from this room. 
that many of you will pay the highest price for the gospel. And that's dear to him. You know, as soon as Christian was up here, and I understood that uh, God has specifically anointed him to call forth leaders to plant churches and houses of prayer and works of justice all throughout the earth. And so um, as I look at you, I just kind of feel his heart of what he's dreaming about for your life for the next 50 years. I mean, you know, that that's a wondrous thing to have the smartest person in the universe who has all power, who's dreaming up ways to ambush your life for the next 50 years. He's very creative. He's setting you up right now for something at 43. And you can't even see it. But He's dreaming of you. What do you do with a God who has all the brain power? And it says that what He meditates upon is you in Psalm 139. It says His thoughts concerning you are as many as the sands of the seashore. What do you do with a God who's obsessed with a creature made in His image that He's madly in love with? What do you do about people you're madly in love with? How are you obsessed with bringing out the best in them and drawing near? He's obsessed. He's so obsessed that he took on your form and joined himself to you forever as one of you. You know, God is spirit, but he was so undone by you that he decided that he would take on a physical form so that you could touch him and hold him and feel him forever. This is what kind of God you have. And when you as a 20-year-old go, Oh, I love you. He goes, Oh. <laughs> have you ever felt that pent-up emotion when you love someone? I'm talking about the someone of the opposite sex that you, you've loved them. You start to date and you don't know whether you should say I love you first or not. So there's this awkward... So there's this awkward two months where it's all pent up in you. And then finally one person breaks the ice. They're like, you know, oh God. Oh, and you go, I love you. I've always loved you. And then the other person just explodes. You hope. If they don't, you're in trouble. But <laughs> if they say the dreaded thing of, oh, thank you. <laughs> That's so sweet. Like a brother or sister in Christ, right? You know, that sad. Has that happened a few times? <laughs> but you know what? When you say, I love you, God, he, he is such a gentleman. When you do that, He explodes. He's just like, I was waiting for you to say that. That's the permission-giving mechanism for me to absolutely shower my affections upon you. And I feel that when I came into the room. It was just as the Lord just loves this group. You're a Mary of Bethany group. I don't have to teach on Mary of Bethany here. 
You, you are it. You're the embodiment of it. And I just am honored to be here. Uh, I'm actually honored to be here too because of my good friend Stephen who's bragged on you the whole time. Who loves this place. And just sit up here and cry if you let him. And, and, uh, He's so, he's so anointed that, that you, you know, you might not see him cry, but he's so darn tender and anointed. So I'm glad to be in Korea with him, and, and I'm glad to be in Korea with uh, my son Samuel, who's turned 17 today, who's, who loves Jesus. And he, uh, yeah. He's a good son. He's loved Jesus since a little boy and has remained faithful. And, and uh, he's the real thing. I can't, can't wait for the coming days. You know, he's, he's 17. He's becoming a man. And in fact, it was just a few months ago he, he um, can beat me now in wrestling. Yeah. I told my sons, I said, uh, young men, I have three, 16, 14, 12. 17 now. Seventeen. Kansas City time. He's actually sixteen still. But at eight fifty, it will be your birthday. Anyway, I I tell them. I said, look. I said you're going to get stronger than me, and one day you're going to be able to beat me. But the day that you can beat your father is the day you choose not to. I said that will be the test of your humility. So a couple months ago, I decided I'm going to lay into him. He's so big now. I thought I'm just going to go after him. So we locked into each other. And I thought I had him. And suddenly everything changed. And I thought to myself, I'm going to lose really bad. And then all of a sudden he just, I felt him just ease up. And I went, no! The day has come. He let me go. <laughs> but I love him for that. And so, uh, but you know, it's good news. Because uh, your sons are supposed to grow stronger than you. It's good when your sons get stronger. And my son's stronger than me. And I'm going to learn a lot from him. And he's going to go after Jesus in a far greater way than I did. Uh, so anyway I I want them to just share your hearts for a minute I feel like I'm in a family living room is that okay Okay. (laughs) well I'm excited to be here I love Korea I love the food here and I love your heart for Jesus. Honestly, I was telling them during worship, I said, the thing that makes worship powerful is 
when people are hungry for the Lord. And what makes worship good isn't just an awesome band or, you know, just a good show. Like, honestly, that's just a performance. What makes worship good is God and when people are hungry for him. And, and that's, you know, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And honestly, during the worship, I, was, I felt like I got the taste that again, like a place of hunger. Like the worship leader couldn't keep you from singing. Like when he backed away, you guys kept singing be, because you're so hungry for the Lord. He doesn't have to be singing for you guys to be singing. Be, and so the, and the Holy Spirit is, you know, so it's just our leader in worship, you know. And so, and I love that just when you're just so hungry for the Lord. I get to come here and even though I'm sharing right now, I get provoked by you guys. I see the light in your faces. I see your love for Jesus. And I'm like, these are people that I want to run with, honestly. Like, do you guys do an internship? Like, get, get me out here or something. Yeah. Come on. I still got a one year of high school. I'm kind of rushing the gun. But um, hey, maybe one year early. You know, okay, but, um, but yeah, so I just, I get to see that hunger, you know, and your love for Jesus. And it stirs me. And honestly, and that's what's so powerful. And I just kind of feel the Lord speak this over um, this community and this house that the Lord is going to make you a house of joy. And I feel like that he's going to make you a house of love and a house of joy. And that... Just like David said in his, she's like, oh God, you're so good. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh. Yeah. In, in his presence is fullness of joy. And when God shows up, he comes with his joy. And um, I'm just reminded of this story. Um, oh. Man, you may need to take the mic soon. Oh. Jesus. Oh, God, come. I'm, re- I'm reminded of this story. Um, oh, yes, God, come. Come, Lord. Oh, man, will I get to it? Huh. It, was, it was back in um, April, and um, my junior and senior class at the school I go to, the Daniel Academy, we were out, um, we were doing our, a junior-senior trip where we go and just pursue the Lord together for a week, and we went out to Colorado, and one one day I went into the, the dorm we were in, and my friend was, my two friends, my best friend and one of my close friends too, they were just praying for each other and weeping on the bed, just crying under the power of the Lord. And when every, it was our free day. When everyone chose to go out and like explore and go hiking and just have a fun time, they went in and just prayed in the room for a couple hours and just sought the Lord. They're hungry for God. So I walk in there and they're just weeping under the power of the Lord. And so we just go and we pray for my friend. And the Lord gives me this word. He says, I'm going to fill you with my joy. And, but the thing is, it was so sober and so tender and we were all crying. I went, I don't want to be that guy that just goes, God's going to fill us with his joy and start laughing. And they'll look at me like, what is up with this guy? And, you know, so, but I just feel the Lord say, I'm going to fill, fill them with, um, my joy. And before I can even tell them, you know, I've, I just feel like God's going to fill you with his joy. They go from bawling to just straight up laughing like this. Like you don't see that. You don't see people just a mess crying and out of nowhere just laughing. You don't see that happen. 
And so they just start, they just start re- like laughing and crying at the same time under the joy of the Lord. And I felt the Lord say, um, joy, J-O-Y, it's the jubilee. So it's the jubilation of Yahweh, J-O-Y, the jubilation of Yahweh. And so the craziest thing happened. Out of nowhere, like I have not, I, these are my friends that love Jesus, but I, they're not, I always thought maybe they're the ones that don't really manifest. They just prophesy a lot. I have never seen people more drunk in the Holy Spirit before in my whole life. And they get hit with the joy of the Lord. We're on, we're all three laying on a bunk bed on the bottom. So we're going out, hitting our heads on the thing <laughs> under the, under the joy of the Lord. And we, we go into a Holy Spirit whirlwind for two or three hours. And we go to one in the morning, we're waking people up on the top. And, and so, and we're just prophesying over each other the joy of the Lord. And the, that just, and it was one of the most sweet times I've had with the Lord. And when I came in here, it was the first time since, since April where I felt that raw presence of God's joy. And, and, and even more than just laughing, it was actually just like joy is more than just an outward expression. It's actually a posture of the heart, living in the joy of God. And it's that thing that, you know, Jesus said in, it's in John 15, he says, the father loved me, I have loved you, abide in my love. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So the first thing that hits my mind is he goes, as the father loved me, I have loved you. And if we sometimes we read the word of God and we skip over it. We get our highlighter out. We journal and we don't actually let the word sink in the same love that the father has for Jesus, his son, God. He says, I love you. And it's when you let the word sink in, you go the unending, everlasting, crazy, overwhelming love of God that is in the Trinity, within the Godhead, between the Holy Spirit, between the Father, between Jesus, he says, I invite you in into the Trinity, the love that I have. I invite you in. And tonight, he's inviting us in into his love. Oh, God. Jesus. Oh, God. Joy. Joy. Yes. Oh, 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 God. Yes, God. Oh, oh, but then he says this. Oh, oh, man, it's the story. And then he goes, abide in my love. And he says, if you keep my commandments, (laughs) fill them up, Holy Spirit. More. Oh, gosh. Yes. The drum cage. I think this thing fell apart. I don't know what's going on. Ooh. But, ooh. Holy Spirit. Oh, God. But then, ooh. Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Come, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Ooh. And then he, and then Jesus says this. He says, This is the reason why I told you about my love. Here's the reason why I invited you in into the Trinity, the love between the Godhead. He says, these things I've spoken to you, 
that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. And here's the thing. A lot of us feel like the joy of the Lord and, and his manifest presence is reserved to a revival meeting or certain ministry or place. We come expectant. You know, we, when you go to a different places, you're like, I'm expectant for the joy of the Lord. But the thing is, Jesus didn't say this is reserved to a certain place or certain person. He says, here is a promise for all believers. Here's a promise for all those that I invite into the love of God that your joy is not only going to remain in you, it's never going to leave. It's going to be full. And the thing is, how many times in my life I've tasted a full joy, but it's been gone in five minutes. And how many times I've, I've tasted a partial joy that lasted for, oh, a day. <laughs> a day, but it wasn't a full joy. But then I read this and I say, God. <laughs> Oh, oh, Jesus said, I'm going to fill you with the joy that remains. And that is full. God, would you release the joy of the Lord, the jubilation of Yahweh? We want you, God. We want you. We want you, Holy Spirit. We want you, God. Oh, oh, whoa. Oh, and here's the thing. <laughs> Oh, there's so much, so many things. Oh, he's, it says in Nehemiah. Oh, oh, I'm about to go to my knees speaking to Nehemiah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. You know why we can go for a whole year filled with this joy? Because he strengthens us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, oh. I want his joy to be my motivation and my highest desire. When I wake up, the first thing that comes to my mind is joy. When I go to bed, that those moments before I fall asleep, the only thing I can think of is him. And I heard this quote once. It says, the thing that you think about most is the God in your life. And I've, I've come to, I want to think about God more than anything else on the earth. I want his joy to captivate my thoughts and my emotions and my desires in my life. Oh, what does it look like when your mind naturally strays to God? When the very thing that you stray to in your thoughts is his presence. How can you take a man out of God's presence when the very thing he strays to in his mind is God? When you start daydreaming, it's about God. We're, we sit in our prayer rooms and we go, I just got to keep myself focused so I don't you start thinking about that coffee I want or that girl across the room or that new, those new shoes I want to buy. What if when you start daydreaming in the prayer room, it's about God even more? Because you're so focused on Him, you can't take a man's thoughts off God. What can you do with a man that is so consumed with God that's all he thinks about and talks about and lives for? And it comes from a place of joy. 
Oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know why I can sit in a prayer room for 10 hours, fully in love with God, not burn out, not thinking about that food I need, not thinking about that sleep I need, because God is so good, His joy consumes me. I want to fast by accident. I want to be so consumed with God that I go three days and I don't eat anything because I'm so consumed with Him. Oh, what if we don't plan our fasting? We just get so consumed with God we forget to eat. Oh, what does that look like? Oh, oh. Oh, I want to give no sleep to my eyes and no slumber to my eyelids because I forgot about sleep. I was resting in God's presence all day long. Oh, what does it look like when you get this vision of the joy of the Lord? It changes the way you live your life. And here's the thing. And we, I went from verse 9 about the love of God to verse 11 about the joy of the Lord. But verse 10 is about keeping the commandments of God. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the thing is, we talk about loving Jesus. We sing about it. We'll, we'll talk to people, say, how are you doing? They'll say, I'll oh, just love in Jesus. But the thing is, what does it look like to actually love God biblically? And it says to keep his commandments. And here's the thing in 1 John 5, 3, it says, if you, keep, um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And my commandments are not burdensome. And the thing is, something has shifted in my life in the last couple of years. Before, I thought that keeping God's commandments was burdensome. That it was hard. That actually, the pleasures of the world, either sinful or legitimate, were actually better than God. And what I've realized is the Lord says, actually, the reason loving me and keeping my commandments isn't burdensome is because there is a higher pleasure. There's a higher pleasure. We come in, we're like, oh, I just hope I can make it these next two hours. But the thing is, I want, I want more than just drudgery, more than just legalism. I want to come in and be fully expectant saying, God, I love you. I am filled with your joy. Because David said this, I delight to do your will. And I want to delight to love God. I want to find my highest pleasure in life in loving him. And that's the thing. When you taste that higher pleasure that comes from being in the presence of the Lord, that higher pleasure of his joy, suddenly the sin in your life grows strangely dim and the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ illuminates your life. It illuminates your life. And the thing is, the areas of victory that I found over sin in this last year didn't come from willpower, just working myself up to do it. That's failed me time and time again. What it came was how I found victory was standing in the presence of God saying, why would I ever want to sacrifice this joy for an image on a screen? Why would I want to ever sacrifice this joy for a fun time of gossip? Why would I ever want to sacrifice this joy for three hours on Facebook or Xbox or watching movies? What, maybe even sacrifice my friend time because I am so captivated by this man that I will do whatever it takes to be with him. And that's the thing. It says, blessed. Here, I just want to turn to it. Ooh, because I can barely remember it because this joy is all over me. Oh, at least I know where the reference is. Oh, God. Oh, Oh, it's so thick. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And what if your motivation for purity and righteousness is your sight of God? And the thing is, when it turns from your motivation of, for righteousness and for holiness, before it was just this legalistic mentality, I need to do this. And the thing is what... I realized is I would approach God based upon how I was doing in my week. 
If I had a week where I was not walking in sin, where I was do, walk, reading the Bible, I would come up to God. I would go in the prayer. I'm like, I am entitled to your presence. And I, but the thing is, on the weeks where I was messing up, it was like, oh, man, I am bad. And I'm, I, I don't even deserve this. I am just, the thing is, we don't deserve it any time of the week. The only thing is, Christ, it's a free gift. We didn't deserve it. He gave it to us. And the thing is, when we come into the presence of Lord, we don't approach God based upon ourselves. That's a humanistic mentality when we approach God based upon our own performance. But we approach God based upon the finished work of Christ on the cross that His blood has washed us and covered us and made us clean and we have access to the presence of God not based upon how good we're doing. We have access to the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. He has cleansed us. I just want to turn to that Hebrews. Oh. Therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters... Whoa, it's like a gospel meeting in here. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure heart water. Oh. Oh. We draw near to God, not based upon ourselves. We draw near to God based upon him. And the thing is, we're not the mediator between God and ourselves. Sometimes we think that, that our own righteousness is what gives us access to God. And the thing is, you know, the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's like the dirtiest, most filthy rags. But the righteousness of Christ that's what enables us to go into the presence of God. And that changes the way you live your life. When you wake up and you don't base your walk with the Lord on yesterday, but you base it upon the finished work of Christ. Oh, that changed the way I lived life. When I would wake up, you know why I'm not going to look at pornography? Because the blood of Jesus has washed me. And not only that, not as he not only cleansed me and he's found victory over that sin. Why would I look at that when I, that sacrifices my sight of God? The beauty of Christ is greater than anything in the world. And that when you taste that higher pleasure of God, suddenly the pleasures of the world are just so dull and boring. I came here, I tasted the Korean food. And I've tasted the Korean food in Kansas City. There is a huge difference. I feel robbed. I feel robbed that I've been growing up in Kansas City tasting the Korean food there. You come here, the barbecue. Kansas City is the number one barbecue city in America for American barbecue. So no, normally when I go to other places and taste barbecue, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I live in Kansas City. I come here, I taste it. I was like, what are they feeding us back in Kansas City? <laughs> Seriously. Is it Carby? Is that how you call it or whatever? Oh, man. Sorry, but that's another tangent. And that's... <laughs> oh, man. Dude, God delight. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Are you ready? I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, but the, the point is this. Oh, I keep saying that and I've... Holy, holy point, God's here. Oh, and that's another thing. Sometimes we're, 
we get so focused on saying, come Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's already in the room and we just need to say, thank you, Holy Spirit. You're already here. You're here. We need to stop asking. We need to start receiving. Come Holy Spirit. Oh, I just said, come Holy Spirit. This is a natural thing. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You are in this room. You are right here. Your presence is in this place. And we thank you, God. I just invite you to stand really quick. Let's just call on the Lord again. Oh, God. Yeah. Really quick. Lord, we love your presence. Who is like you in all the heavens or on the earth? And God, we ask that you would impart even more your joy, God. That we would taste the higher pleasures of loving you. That we would be ushered in and to the love of the Godhead. That love that you have for us. We want to taste your love and your joy. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Come even more. The fullness of God. We have yet to taste the fullness. We have only tasted a sliver of your presence. And we are fascinated. We are addicted to you. And we want more. Oh, oh, the Lord told me a couple of days ago. He said that he is the most addicting thing on the earth. There's something more addicting than drugs. There's something more addicting than alcohol, than nicotine. Oh, than pornography, than sexual pleasure, than video games, than entertainment. It is God's presence. And it's time for the worshipers and the messengers and those that walk in His Spirit that are fully addicted to God and that you couldn't drag them out of the presence of the Lord. Oh, my dad once told me this, that you couldn't tie a chain to the seraphim and the angels in heaven and uh, hook them up to a bow. 747 and drag them out of the throne you could not take them out of the with anything oh and we want to be like that what if you can't take us out of god's presence we love you holy spirit come and change us tonight we don't need just more words we need god you're the best kept secret of the church it's you god well we get focused on so many other things but would we get focused back on you fascinated by you come holy spirit joy God we love you you are worthy God oh so sweet tis so sweet to trust in Jesus yeah yes God hallelujah Thank you, Lord. Just touch us. Just touch us, Lord. Just touch us. Come, Holy Spirit.
Let's just take our seats for a moment. I'm just going to take a minute. I'm a little drunk. (laughs) If I don't articulate this very well, forgive me. But uh, I just want to say hello. (laughs) I love you. I really love you. Amen. (laughs) Huh? Keep going. I'll try. Just for a minute. I'm really thankful that God has brought I'm not making this up. This is completely humiliating. They are not drunk as you suppose. (laughs) But, but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. (laughs) man in the last days I'm really thankful to be here (laughs) 
you you have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm at a point in my life <laughs> where I don't care to hear another teaching. <laughs> I just want his presence. And what I feel when I come here, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Holy Ghost. I wanted to bring my friend Alan. He's my best friend. <laughs> y'all gonna y'all gonna make me cry up in here. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> you know that's what drunk people do. <laughs> Just, just gather yourself for a moment. Where was I? Huh? <laughs> My best friend. Yeah, I'm glad he's here. And I want you to receive from him. When I was here last time, I... I taught on the knowledge of God and your spiritual identity. The Bible says that uh, no greater joy do I have than this. To hear my children walking in truth. And I believe you guys are walking it out. And I feel the fire in this place like I haven't felt since the days of Pensacola, Florida. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, pursue earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, seek it, seek his glory, pursue his presence. I know I'm going to be back again one day and I'll be able to tell you a little more.
<laughs> Not tonight. I'm going to let you hear my best friend. Oh! But I bless you and I love you. I pray for you. Ever since I was here, I carry you in my heart. I know there's great destiny and, and the strategy and plans of God for you are great. So, here's my good friend, Alan Hood. Let's just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. See what the Lord will want to share with us tonight. He loves us so much. Thank you, Lord. It's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Here we are, the ones you love. The ones you died for, Jesus. The ones you fought for even unto death. Here we are. Speak to us. You love us so well. You are so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Teach us by your spirit. Teach us. Put your word in us. That your word would abide in us and that we would overcome the evil one. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would break the power of the evil one. Off of our minds, our wills, our emotions, and off of our bodies. I thank you, God. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for every every slightest move of your spirit. We thank you. Lord, and I lift up those who are being persecuted tonight for your name's sake, who are in prisons, who are wondering if their houses will be burned tonight. Or their wives will be killed and their children beaten. Lord, would you send a, a move of the Spirit upon them? Would you give them joy? Would you increase your presence on them tonight? You said to pray for those who are suffering for your name's sake. So we lift them up tonight. We don't forget. We remember their price. We remember what they've done. So bless them tonight. Give them joy that remains and joy that is full. And if you count us as fortunate, would you pour us out like you're pouring them out as a drink offering? Mark us. 
wholly unto the Lord. We want to go the full distance. We want to love you to the end. We thank you. So teach us tonight. Help us. Help us, Lord. you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 for a moment. There's actually three or four messages that I feel in my heart tonight. Not exactly sure what he wants to say, but he will help us. He will help us. Holy Spirit, we love you. The reason why it's so hard right now to decide what to teach, I'm just going to give you what I feel like the Lord is saying, is that uh, when Paul stopped by Ephesus on his way back to Jerusalem, he knew he had only one night with them. And that was the hardest thing for Paul to be with a group of people for one night. It was a mighty Ephesus. It was the one who started with 12 probably young people. And out of those 12... Uh, it went to 25,000 within two years. That he taught day and night in the school of Tyrannus for two years. And mighty signs and wonders began to take place. And as they began to take place, the whole town, a, a big portion of Ephesus was turned to the Lord. And they burned their witchcraft books. And a mighty revival broke out there in Ephesus. Of which, because of that revival... Paul, the founder, would have to go to prison because it would stir up so much trouble, would bankrupt the idol industry, and Paul would find himself in prison. And so Paul then went on to Macedonia and on into to further places, but he was coming back to take the offering to Jerusalem, which that's what his heart was for, was to take offerings for the poor. And to provoke the Jews to jealousy by getting Gentiles to love God and to give their money for Jews. And so Paul, it was his great pleasure to bring the offering. 
And so when he stopped back through, he's stopping at Ephesus and he only has one night. And he, he says, remember how I wept for you and cried to you for three years that wolves would come in sheep's clothing and rise up in your midst and try to steal what's been planted here. And he preached all night long. In fact, he preached all night long, so long that a person fell asleep and fell out the window and died. And he had to raise him from the dead to get him to pay attention again. And, and it helps to raise somebody from the dead if you're going to preach all night. You know, it's, it helps you. So, um, but finally he had to leave. And I can't imagine what Paul taught on all night long. I'm sure he taught all night feeling like... Um, I need to teach for a month. The reason why he feels that way and the reason why I feel that way tonight is God takes you more seriously than you take yourself. He looks down on this group. He's taking you a whole lot more seriously. I would not be... Most of the time I come into a room and, um, and I know exactly one teaching that the Lord wants me to share or He'll give me a new one five minutes before... But he's exploding in my mind several different teachings. And the Holy Spirit saying, that's because they need to take themselves seriously. I have to get them ready. It's a serious work you're going to, to undertake. The Holy Spirit's going to move with great joy. But you know why he moves with great joy? Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, and sometimes he gives you laughing gas. To enable you to bear the great calling He's going to have on your life. Now I'm not saying to that to you for pressure. I'm saying that to you because as I'm saying it, the Holy Spirit is marking some of you in the room already. And you know He's called you for the gospel for such a time as this. And you're not going to draw back. You're not going to let fear hold you. You're going to do something profound for His namesake. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit wants to get you ready. We take God serious. The, the, the question is, are you going to take yourself serious and what God's calling you to do? And um, He's going to keep moving by His Spirit in here, but you have to understand something. He's touching you with His presence, His delight and His joy, because there's a whole lot of other people out there, His children, that He wants to touch with His joy. He doesn't... I, I look across Korea and they tell me, uh, that Korea's numbers in Christianity aren't growing anymore. It's plateaued. And um, I think about uh, I think about Korea right now. And um, just to set this before you, when I look at America, I'm in such a, a time of travail. I really don't want to travel that much because unless somebody gets on their knees and prays. For my nation, we are in trouble. You see, in the 1960s, we were at the height of the mission sending of the world. We had taken over from London. Great Britain had passed the torch. The United States was sending missionaries all over the globe. We became the number one sending missionary nation in the world. We began to pour funds. People were set on fire from the Zusa Street revival. And from that revival came forth the next generation who would take the missionary torch. But what happened is, is while we were at the height of the missionary sending in our own backyard, 
And next, we began to also prosper as a nation financially. And as we prospered financially, even though we were sending missionaries who had been marked during our poverty when the Holy Spirit had been poured out, the next generation was growing up in materialism. And they were losing their fire. And they were falling prey to the evil one's plans for sexual immorality, for ungodliness, for covetousness, for consumerism. And we didn't realize it, but the fire on the altar was already going out. But we didn't know it because we were still pumping out the most missionaries still from the last move of God 40 years earlier. And we didn't realize it that the fire was already waning. So that's 1960-70. Fast forward that. Back then there was, you know, in the 1930s there was about, um, depending on which statistics, 65 to 80% church engagement for our whole nation. It dropped down in 1960 to about 35%. Now those who are born after 1984 in my nation, it's only 4% church engagement. They say that once it goes underneath 2%, it is impossible for a nation to recover its Christian morals and its Christian values unless God intervenes by a mighty inbreaking of an awakening. We are on life support right now in my nation. And, um, but we didn't know it. In the 1960s, we were filled with pride in our mission sending aid, our mission sending. And we opted out when we began to see some of the effects among our young people of losing their way. We opted out for leadership training instead of prayer. And now the U.S. has more discipleship manuals than any other nation in the earth. And we only have 4% of our young people engaged in the gospel. That's a laughing stock. It's hypocrisy. It's not real. And in the meantime, our sons have lost their way. Praise God that God's given me three sons that are not only my sons, they're my brothers. And I'm so grateful for that. But do you know the percentage was in my nation that my three sons would have lost their way to the spirit of the age and consumerism and materialism? Praise God He had mercy on us and that we were able to raise them in a context of night and day prayer where other 20-year-olds like you were on fire and His heroes were people like you. So when he was seven, he was looking at sold out people like you. And that became the salvation for his generation. Say, Alan, why are you saying that? Well, I'm looking at Korea. And you're about to take the baton of the largest mission sending nation on the earth. And as you're taking it. You ride to that place because another generation paid the price in prayer. In your poverty, somebody decided that the only way out was God. And because you had no resource, you opted out for the only thing you could do that was pray. And you actually birthed the 24-hour prayer movement on the earth at Prayer Mountain. And so God has blessed you. And He's blessed you with a move of the Holy Spirit through your nation, whether you probably don't remember it, you probably weren't born yet. But there was a move throughout your nation, and now missions are going all over the world from Korea, and you're about to take the number one spot. My only question is, 
as, as God has also prospered your nation financially. When I go throughout the churches of Korea, I don't see many rooms filled with 20-year-olds like you. I see 30, 40, 50-year-olds going to the mission field. I don't see a lot of 20-year-olds. Which tells me this. You're reaping the fruit of another man's prayer. And unless you start to pray, your children are going to reap a different fruit. And I can tell you from experience what that fruit is. It's destruction. It's judgment. And I'm telling you that as a father who's watched it in my nation. And so I'm looking at you tonight and the joy of the Lord is upon you. He's with you. He's going to mark this group. And at the same time, I know that truly, though your churches are so large and your missionaries are going out in such numbers, the fire on the altar is already waning and you don't know it. Unless a group of 20-year-olds begin to pray with all their might and begin to worship with all their might, you will blink and these big churches will be that. They'll just be buildings. Because you've already started to plateau in winning people to Jesus in your own nation. But you don't have to look at that fact because you're sending out more missionaries than anybody else. But if you don't wake up, if you opt out for leadership training in this hour instead of prayer, I can tell you where it will take you. It will take you to prayerless leaders. And prayerless leaders are the death of a nation. I'm trying to be speak very plain with you. I only have a few minutes. I, I know you could, the Spirit will come and He will give you joy. But I, he, he wants to wound you a little bit tonight. He wants to give a prophetic word to you. Why? Because when I look at this nation, as I go to churches, big churches, gone to big churches here in Korea and sat down with some of the top leaders, I know... It's a room of 20-year-olds like this. That will be the salvation of this nation 40 years from now. If you will actually decide to resist the temptations of the world, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, if you will actually go into the place of prayer and His presence and resist the inferior pleasures that Samuel spoke of to, tonight. If you will actually do it. God will put a fire on you. That will release an awakening. You see the good news for you is. Is my nation has had about four of those awakenings. And pulled us out. But we're right at the brink now. He may not send another one. The good news for your nation is. He could send two or three more before you finally realize your great need. Am I making sense to you? Is this, are you tracking with me? Uh, I don't have all the time to qualify all my statements. We're in a living room. So I'm talking to you as my own kids now. You know what I say to my kids every time before I travel and I leave them, I look at them, I go, if something happens to me. If I don't make it back on this trip and I'm not guaranteed. James tells us very clearly that we can't say we will go somewhere tomorrow. But if the Lord wills. So if in His good pleasure He takes me home because He can't stand the distance any longer and He has to have me with Him. And I have to be with Him. 
So be it. But know this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You know that God has been good and He's taken me home for a reason. And you know your calling. You know what He's called you to do. You have His Word. You have His Holy Spirit. You must be faithful to the end. And I will be praying for you and cheering you on all the way. You better never grow offended. You better never pull back. You better go all the way. And they'll look at me and they go, we know, Dad, you tell us this every time. And I go, I know I tell you this every time. Here's why. I take you a whole lot more seriously than you take yourself. It's the great, it's the great dilemma of the human race. It's treasure hidden in earthen vessels. And none of us believe that we're actually worth that much. But God does. He sees it. And He has joined Himself to us. And He will not do what He's called us to do. And we can't do what only He can do. And so, I feel like tonight, He's looking down on Korea. And He's taking this, this gathering a whole lot more serious. We come in for many reasons. And they're all good ones and He loves them all. We come in because we want to be in His presence. We come in because we like the worship. We come in because we like the boy. You know, we come in because He's cute, she's cute. We come in for all kinds of reasons. And God is so into those reasons. He really is. He really is. He loves it. You know how many guys have been saved because of cute girl? They don't, they, they usually don't end up getting married to that cute girl, but they get saved and God goes, I like that. He likes all of those reasons and he makes them holy and grows them up in the Lord. And it's awesome. But there's a bigger reason why he's gathered us here tonight. I just know that by the Holy Spirit, he wants you to take yourself serious. He's called this group to be a lover of God and deliverer of men and women. And He's called this group and marked you. He's marked you. He's given you an assignment. And that's an assignment in the place of prayer and worship and missions. And those two things are married in His heart. And I, yeah, it's just holy before Him. So let's wait on the Spirit a minute. Let's just wait on Him. I'm not sure what to do. Other than the fact of, I hope, well. I hope you do not go the same way my nation did. Oh, you know what today? At the Olympics, my nation is going to have the most medals. And the most gold medals. And the least number of believers. That's not too impressive. It's not too impressive at all. And I'm asking God. God would you really break off the love of the world. Off the church. We don't have a burden for souls. We don't have discernment of what's going on. And the Lord wants to release 
a spirit of prophecy on this group, a true spirit of prophecy on this group that you would know the signs of the times, that you would know what he's saying to your generation and that you would not be tricked by the deceitfulness of sin or by the lies of the evil one. Also heard from the Lord, this group is going to be one of the most holy, sanctified groups. I believe that with all my heart. I heard the Holy Spirit say that He is going to give you an understanding of that your bodies are holy. Not in some old legalistic way of saying your bodies are holy, therefore don't, don't, don't. But to understand the glory of the human body. To understand that Satan wants to bring you into strongholds for one reason. Your bodies are the connecting point between heaven and earth. Do you know how powerful your bodies are? Do you know that you are the one creature made to contain the third person of the Trinity? Beloved, every one of you are sitting here just filled with the Trinity, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're so comfortable. It's like, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know how magnanimous that is? That you are a creature designed to contain the Holy Spirit? You ought to be shocked that you didn't blow up tonight. <laughs> Do you know when I came, when I came to uh, Asia, I, I, I like to sleep with a fan. Does anybody like to sleep with a fan? I just love it. So I packed my little fan. I brought it over. And I plugged it in. But you see, my fan is 110 voltage. And you people have this 220 voltage. And so I plugged it in and I didn't know the difference between an adapter and a converter. It's a big difference. And so I plugged it into the adapter, plugged it in, and all of a sudden it went You know why? Because my fan wasn't designed to take that kind of power. Do you know your body was made so glorious that you can have the third person of the Trinity, the God who created all things in your inner man, and you aren't even the least bit uncomfortable tonight. There's no smoke coming out of your ears. Have you ever planted an oak tree seed in a three-inch flower pot? You know, within a few years, the flower pot can't take it. It breaks. You would never think about planting an oak tree seed in a three-inch flower pot. Right? It's called the principle of agreement. They don't agree. One, will, one strength will overwhelm the other one. Why? Because the structure of the pot isn't strong enough to take the power that's contained in the seed. But you are made in the image of God and you have a structure that can actually take the power of God's seed planted in you. Do you know how glorious that is? Do you know right now at the right hand of God, there's a man in a human body? His name is Jesus. That God decided 
from eternity past that he would rule over heaven and earth through a human frame. Do you know how the glorious that is? That you're the one creature made of dust, but has God's breath. You're the connector between heaven and earth. You're the ladder. Wherever you are, you bring heaven. Now here's, here's, here's the point of that. That's why Satan hates your body so much. He hates it. You know, he hates your body. Why? Because your body is the very vessel for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For John prayed in 3 John. He said, I pray that your bodies would prosper just as your souls prosper. We believe that God wants to save our spirits. Right? God's going to save my soul. We believe he's, He wants to save our soul. But very few people believe of His great love for our human bodies. So much so that we, we come into agreement with the evil one about our bodies. Satan hates our bodies. Do you know how powerful your body is? Your body is so powerful that when the Apostle Paul... You know, when they would, in Ephesus, they would take his handkerchiefs and lay them on people. Do you know what his handkerchiefs were? He would make tents. And as he's making nets and tents, he would sweat. And he would take that handkerchief and he'd wipe the sweat off and then put it down. But because he was so anointed, his church members would run up. And they would grab his handkerchief and they would go lay it on the sick. Now, do you know what sweat is? Sweat are your toxins. Did you know even the toxins of a human body are anointed if you're a believer? Did you know that Peter's shadow would heal people? That if they could but get them within his shadow, it would heal. Here's the point. If his shadow did not fall upon them, they were not healed. That's how glorious the human frame is that Peter could have stood with the sun shining, held up his pinky. And wherever that pinky, but what I'm saying is true. Wherever he held that pinky, wherever that shadow would go, it would heal a human body. Here's the point. Satan hates your body. And do you know the major way he attacks it? He gets us to come into agreement with devils over our bodies. We grow up from a young age. We stand in front of the great tormentor of the human race called the modern mirror. And we stand there from the littlest age every morning and every night when we get dressed and we undress and we look at those one or two areas that are too big or too small or too this or too that. And we sit there and we go, I hate that. I hate that. I wish I didn't have that. It's funny. If you have curly hair, you wish you had straight hair. If you have straight hair, you wish you had curly hair. If you have blue eyes, you wish you had brown eyes. It's crazy. And the most beautiful people... I've done this because I've ministered to young people for over 20 years. The most beautiful people among us are some of the most tormented. I look at, I look at my wife, I go, you are in the top 1% of the entire earth. 
I mean, you just should be happy. I mean, if you really gained those five pounds you said you gained every time you said you gained them, you'd be bigger than the continent of the U. I mean, it's just, there's no way. I just think I gained five pounds. No, you didn't. Trust me. You're gorgeous. Stop the nonsense. Stop it. I guess you got to be in the point 2% of the most beautiful people. I mean, you're, you're like not dead gorgeous. The most beautiful among us feel this way. But do you know, you have a glorious human body. A glorious human body. So much so that Jesus took on your form. Do you know He knows every season of the human body? Did you know what He knows what it's like to be thought of as not a very attractive person? Isaiah tells us that He had no comeliness, no beauty that would draw us to Him. Do you know He knows what it's like every season of the body? Like even as a kid, He knew what it was like when His ears grew faster than His head. Have you ever gone through that season when you're a little kid and your ears grow, but your head's still tiny? Are your two front teeth are real big because you got your 12-year molars, but the rest of them are baby teeth? You're like, God, please. I, I remember as a kid praying, I said, God, please let my head catch up with my ears. This is bad. We all go through those seasons. We go through those seasons, and those are the funny ones. But the problem is, is that we stand because of the modern mirror and because of, you know, the Barbie doll models that if they were in real life, they'd be like nine feet, you know, 60 pounds. It's not real. And the supermodels of the earth, if you've ever watched any reality TV show, they're the most jacked up people on the planet. Please, these models who are addicted to drugs and hate themselves and are tormented are not our heroes. We need to pray for them. My point is this. We listen to devils whisper in our ears and we come into agreement with them. We say, I hate that. And we build altars to demons in our bedrooms. And then it happens. We finally find first love. And in the midst of first love, we lose our dignity by giving ourselves away. And then we come into agreement with more demons. You've already blown it. You'll never be okay. You, and they begin to lie about our future. Now you'll never find the godly spouse. If someone knows about this, if this is, and demons begin to speak into our minds and our thoughts and we come into agreement, we lose our dignity and we just think since we've already blown it, what's the next one or two or three? And the Bible tells us when Paul is warning us against sexual immorality, he doesn't warn us because he goes, God's going to send you to hell. He actually says, no, it, if you do this, you're sinning against your own body. Actually, you just made a stronghold for another devil to lie to you about your own worth. You can't do that. You're, you're letting devils get ground in you 
And you can't do it. Why? Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how glorious you are? Do you know how beautiful you are? Do you know how gorgeous you are before God? Now, beloved, all of us have those areas that we wish were either bigger or smaller. It's just the way it is. Every one of us. And then the evil one comes and he lies to us and he says, he puts fear in us and says, your spouse isn't going to like this. Your spouse isn't going to like that. That's none of it's true. Your spouse is as freaked out as you are wondering whether you're going to like it. It's true. Can I be plain with you? This is the other message. Here's why. Because if you don't get over this body image thing, you cannot walk in the full destiny that God wants for you. Why? Because we are living in a global village where the entire young adult population is enslaved to body image right now. And if you don't stop, start living in that Christian anti-cultural If you don't start swimming against the stream and become confident in who you are. Beloved, we all have issues we wish were bigger, smaller, this or that. But I want to tell you something. You're going to get a resurrected body one day. Hear me. And you're going to love it. You're going to be all that and more. But until that time. But until that day. Know this. You are lovely. You are beautiful. Hear, hear me. I, I'm not doing a Dr. Phil thing. I'm doing... No, hear me. I'm saying this because I want devils out of your bedrooms. From little girls and boys grow up day after day coming into agreement with devils and become enslaved and we lose our dignity, we lose our way, we become numb to the value of who you are. Let me tell you something. If that guy doesn't want to date you because of that, that, or that, it's his loss. If she doesn't want to date you because that, that, or that, it's her loss. God has a good future for you. He has a good spouse. With a good future. And here's the glorious news. He took the most immoral culture on the earth, the first century, and made them the brightest shining examples of holiness. And He's going to do it in your generation. Hear me. Hear me. God's not thinking about what you did the last ten years. You come before His throne and you let Him make you whiter than snow. And cleaner than clean. Oh, so clean it's you pre-virgin. I mean, you'll just be so clean. And He will give you... Am I being too blunt with you? You said I was in a family living room. I'm talking to you like I talked to him. But hear me, hear me. God is going to give you the spouse. And he has a good future. Oh, I tell you, nothing is more beautiful than a man or woman who has fallen. 
who picks up their dignity and knows they're clean before God. They're the most beautiful people on the whole planet. They're not trusting in their own righteousness. They've received the righteousness of Christ, but they've set their face for holiness. They're the most attractive people in all the universe. And here's the deal. I, I remember when I remember when I was down in Key West. I went there. I shouldn't have gone there. I grew up in Florida. And I went there to go lobstering and, 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 and diving after I graduated. But my friends and I, we decided we were going to also get in trouble. We were going to drink one night. And, you know, the Lord's so kind. He had me on a tight leash. I locked my keys in the trunk with all the alcohol. And, <laughs> and my wallet, our wallets were in the trunk. So we had no money and da-da-da. But anyway... We figured out a way one night, and we were, we were not drunk in the spirit, but we were drunk. We were tipsy. And we went down to the center square of Key West. Now, that's no place for anybody to be. And as we were there, I remember a tarot card reader came up to us. And as he began to try to read our future, this, um, this little gal in a white dress and barefoot, she came out of nowhere and she said, you're a liar and you serve the father of lies. Back off of these young men. I'll never forget it. The man, the man literally, he was, he had tattoos everywhere. He was so, he was so scary looking. She backed him off. He started backing up and she pointed at us. She said, come here right now, young men. She said, sit down right there. I sat down. I'll never forget it. She said, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. I don't, it was a bad idea. And then she opened up a Bible. And she walked us through the book of Revelation. And she said, the coming of... I was sober so fast. Yeah, it was like. She walked us through and she said, Jesus is coming sooner than you know. And you must not live like this. You must give your lives to Christ. And right there, my friends and I, we just right there prayed. I'd already knew the Lord. I knew better. And I prayed and I, I remember. Uh, yeah. I remember looking at her and I, I remember thinking she was so beautiful. I mean, she was she was so gorgeous. I thought, my goodness. This lady's gorgeous. She just was shining. She was beaming with Jesus. I thought, oh my gosh. And you know, I thought, I, I wonder if she's an angel. And so we did the angel test on her. You, you know the angel test, right? You have to check and see if they have a belly button. 
angels don't have belly buttons. I'm kidding you. <laughs> anyway. It's probably true though. I just haven't had the nerve. I've never had the nerve to actually ask someone, do you have a belly button? Right? I just, anyway. But you know what? She was something much better than an angel. She was a saint. You see, she had been a prostitute most of her life. And she met Jesus. She traveled all over the nation just finding young people, stupid young people like me. And bringing them to Jesus. She hitchhiked all over just telling people everywhere about Jesus. I remember sitting there. Her name was Michelle. I was in there looking at Michelle and I thought, oh my gosh, you are going to make someone the best wife one day. The man who gets to marry you. Wow. You see, the evil one lies to us about our past and our failures. And as he lies to us, he continues to speak lies before that mirror and in our minds. And if you feel dirty, you're going to act dirty. And he heaps shame on us. You see, you see, the evil one uh, comes to us because he wants to get us to self-hatred. You see, lust is not even the end game for him. It's self-hatred. It's shame. It's condemnation. You know, if he was only, if a spirit of lust comes, have you ever noticed the spirit of lust comes? And as soon as you fall to the spirit of lust, he doesn't immediately then make you lust again. No, he's setting you up and he comes with condemnation. Why? He has one goal. He hates your human body. Why? Because you're the one creature made in the image of God to contain God. And Jesus is going to come back in a human body and crush the head of the serpent. Do you know Genesis 3.15 says, From the seed of the woman will come forth a seed that will crush the head of the serpent. You see, it was, it's easy for God to defeat Satan. He wanted to defeat him through a human frame. Your body is the most magnificent vessel in all the universe. That's why Paul said, you've got treasure hidden in earth and vessels. You don't know who you are. You can't see it, but God sees it. He takes you so serious. Here's the deal. Here's why I'm saying this to you. God wants this group to pick up your dignity. Where you failed, it's time to quit listening to demons in your bedrooms, in your bathrooms. And it's time to pick up your dignity and tell fear to go to hell where it deserves. And say, God has a good future for me. He has a good husband, a good wife. I'm going to have good children. I'm going to have, you know, I have a vision. You know what my vision is? To be really old. I want to be really old. And I want my sons to have about 30 grandchildren. I want a lot of kids. 
running around my house when I'm 80 and I want to sit in that rocking chair and I want to hear my little grandkids running around us because and God's given me the most glorious wife. You know, my wife, I met her in college. One quick story. I met her in college. She was the most beautiful girl in college. All my fraternity brothers wanted to date her. But they didn't. And I still remember the day she came up and asked me to go to a Sadie Hawkins dance. Do you have a Sadie Hawkins? Do you know what Sadie Hawkins is? She came up. I'd been playing volleyball and she came up and she came up to me and she goes, she was shaking. She was so scared. Because she's so beautiful. She never had to ask a guy out. So she was just, she was shaking. She goes, Alan. I go, what? She goes, are you doing anything this Saturday? And immediately I thought, okay, a good looking girl wants to know what I'm doing Saturday. She's a Christian believer. She knows I'm a Christian. She probably wants me to take her to the airport or move her apartment. You see, you see. You see, the, the good-looking Christian girls don't actually want to date us. They just want our manpower to move stuff. No, I just... Now, I went to a, 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 secular, a secular school, so I went, you know, that's... The Christians got asked to do all the, the kind stuff for people. But you know what? I sat there and I go, she's going to ask me to like move her apartment or take her to the airport. But man, she's cute. Uh, I'll do it. So. So she goes, I heard you had a fraternity canoe trip on Saturday, but I was kind of wanted to ask you something. I'm thinking fraternity canoe trip what is fun about rowing down a river with a bunch of guys i go no i don't have one trust me i'm moving your apartment on saturday and then she goes she goes uh she goes well um you see we have this like um we have to ask a guy out to go to like a dance and I was just kind of wondering, and she's shaking. I go, are you asking me out? And she goes, she goes, well, we, 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 it's a Sadie Hawk. I go, no, you're asking me out. I said, go ahead. <laughs> so so of course I said yes but you know what since I went oh my goodness wow she really did ask me out in fact you know I'd hate to go out to the dance with you without hardly knowing you hey would you like to go out tomorrow 
Zoe. Zoe, 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 Zoe. I mean, it's just Christian courtesy to get to know each other. So anyway, we um, we played tennis, and then we talked all night long. I, you know that you're in you're in Seoul, so you have everything's open twenty four hours. But in that small college town, only Steak and Shake was open. It was either that or Crystals. I don't know if you have that. But we we went there and we talked and we went down and we talked all night long. And it was probably about 4 a.m. that I remember when uh, I'm sitting in there. I brought her back to her, her dorm room. And I was sitting there and she goes, you know what? She goes, Al, I'm about to tell you the most dear thing I could ever tell someone. And so I trust you with the information. I remember sitting there and... Um, she said, you know what, Alan, you are a, you're a nice Christian guy and I really like you. She said, because I really like you, I have to let you know something. You see, I dated a guy for several years in high school. And she said, I, I didn't have much support around me. And I held my line and I held my line on... on, uh, on uh, on not sleeping with him. And then one horrible night on prom night. He forced himself. And she goes. I, I didn't know what to do. It sent me into a, a spiral. of Now he's forced himself. I guess we're to be married. We're to be that. And it led to a horrible six months of my life. That I'm still working through. But she goes. I just wanted to let you know that. God has forgiven me. And I love him. He has a good future for me. But I want to let you know right away. So that if you decide. That you don't want to go out with me. I'll understand. But I wanted to be up front with you. I had never had anybody talk to me like that. I'm sitting there just kind of. Shocked like. Wow this, this girl. Has her dignity. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And the, he says, uh, what do you think about my daughter, Alan? Now, I know something. When a father asks you what you think about his daughter... He's not really interested in your opinion. He is wanting you to agree with his opinion. And I was sitting there. He said, he said, uh, Alan, what do you think about my daughter? And I went. And I sat there. And I'll never forget it. He said, she is as clean. And is washed and is pure and is spotless before me as the day I formed her in her mother's womb. Oh. And I just remember looking over at her in the car. She's sitting there waiting my response. 
And I think back and I go, what was I doing? I mean, that two minutes must have felt like eternity to her. As I'm off having my little spiritual encounter. And I, I finally looked over. I looked over and I went, I, I think I love you. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't say that out loud. If I would have said that out loud, she'd have thought I was creepy. And... But in my mind, then I would have lost it right there. But in my mind, I just, I looked over and I go, I think I really love you. And in my mind, I thought, I have never seen a more beautiful woman in all my life. As I looked over at her, I just went, I just thought to myself, it is an honor. So I asked her right there for, to go out the next night. And so we went roller skating. I'm just being honest, people. It wasn't a good idea. But anyway, the point is this. I fell madly in love with her. On August, 7, August 17th, we will celebrate our 21st year anniversary. We have three sons. She, I love her more today than I did then. Emory, for a second. She, um, she's stunning in God. She loves Jesus with all her heart. She gets better every year loving Jesus. She really does. And I have a vision to be really old one day. To be really old and to be sitting next to her with my sons having tons of <laughs> grandchildren. And so, uh, in fact, you can pray for my wife and I. We, we want two little girls. And our three sons, we've all had the, the talk with them. They came up to us about a year ago and said, Mom and Dad, you need to get your act together. You have a year to get us a little sister or we're adopting. So the year's up. So we'll probably end up adopting a couple little girls. So you can pray for us, though. But my, here's my point. That 30 is going to be divided by five now instead of three. But here's the point. I have a vision. And here's what I want to give you a vision for. I'm not just rambling. I'm very pointed in my first message to you. But the second one is as equally strong because you can't walk out that first one. You can't stand before God in prayer for years at a time unless you settle this issue. Or else you'll be worshiping and you think, but in, in the meantime, you're wondering what everybody thinks about what you look or this or that or that or this or that. And all the emotional traffic and all the mental energy. and uh, just God wants to set you free from that. You're going to be a rare group of people on the earth. And you're going to be one of the most holy groups of people on the earth. And this thing's not going to be a stronghold in your midst where you hate yourself. You're going to pick up your dignity. You're going to trust God for your future. You're going to tell devils to get out of your bathrooms and bedrooms. You're going to take lipstick. Well, the girls are going to take lipstick. And you're going to write Hepzibah on your mirror. 
The Lord delights in me. You're going to write Isaiah 62 Beulah on your mirror. That's the new name He has for you. It's Hephzibah. It's Beulah. The Lord delights in me and I'm married to the Lord. Here's why. If I'm good enough for a king, I'm good enough for anybody else. Period. Period. Hear me. When I gave this same talk to our school of 1,020-year-old students, within one week, joy broke out and revival hit our school. It was around this issue of giving us a new name. Not just a new name in theory, but a new name related to our bodies, related to our identities as human beings before God. He's not just wanting to save your soul. He wants your bodies to prosper just as your souls prosper. And so I want to be I want to be 80 or 90 years old sitting in that rocking chair with my beautiful wife in the same room. And I can't wait for the highest thing of love, which is not just affection. It's respect. It's being able to sit in a room and look over at this lady you've been with for 40, 50 years and go, oh, my God, she is amazing. I married up. Seriously. This is incredible. This is outstanding. I want to sit there and I want our little grandkids to be running around. Running around. And them to go, that's grandpa. He's crazy. He smuggles Bibles into Iran. He does this. He's nuts. And I want to hear my little granddaughters over in the corner brushing each other's hair look over at, at Rachel. And they go, look at Grandma. She's beautiful. How can you be beautiful at 80? And she like knows Jesus. When she prays, God always answers her. He can't resist her. She's like friends with Jesus. If you want something, get grandma to pray. Do you know right now, all my wife's brothers and sisters and their spouses are saved. All of our children are saved. And we just baptized the first grandchild. They don't even have a chance. All of those grandchildren will be saved. Why? Because better is a good name than wealth or riches. Do you hear what I'm telling you? One of the keys to you breaking the power of covetousness in this land and the selling out to the spirit of the wage, age and materialism is that you're going to get over this issue and raise up godly families and be faithful in your marriages. And you're going to raise godly children and godly grandchildren. And you're going to begin to release a revival fire that's bigger than an altar call. You hear what I'm saying to you? And if you do that, 
Let me tell you, you will send out missionaries 40 years from now. And your nation will be in a revival. And it won't be 4% church engagement. You hear it? Okay. I want to do just two things and then I'll, I'll turn it over to what, wherever we should go. But tonight, one thing is this. You need to take yourself serious. I'm not giving a sermon to you tonight. I actually prophesied two very important things for you as a people. You'll have to actually think through what I said. Because I don't usually do this like this. Number one, you've got to take yourself serious. When God looks down from heaven, He, he usually looks at a group of 20-year-olds. That's how He's always done it. Whether they're gathered at Azusa Street, or whether they're the Cambridge at Cambridge, or whether they're Wesley and Whitfield, it's just usually a small group of 20-year-olds that turn the tide. And they give themselves to prayer. So that's number one. God's brought you here for a purpose. You're not in this church by accident. This is more than a church. This is a movement. And you need to take yourself serious. Get ready. Because God has very few of those places where He can send lots of people to. It's gonna, it, he's going to bless this. And then number two. Some of you tonight... You need to push delete. You just need to push delete. You need to pick up your dignity. And you don't need to ever listen to one devil whispering in your ear ever again. Ever again. And you need to trust the Lord for a good future. Some of you, some of you in here, the Lord's going to give you power. And the, the addictions are going to be broken to pornography. And you're going to come into agreement. You're going to wake up in the morning. And you're going to put your hand on your head. And you're going to say. Thank you God. For this magnificent treasure. You've given me my body. I bless it from the top of my head. To the bottom of my feet. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit today. I trust you for my future. I've got a good future. And I ask you for this prayer. Give me a good name. I want a good spouse. I want to raise godly children. I want godly grandchildren. I want a heritage of the Lord in the name of Jesus. I want my 17-year-old to get up and prophesy and preach and just pour his heart out like an overflowing river. The Lord wanted to give you a vision of that tonight. Amen. Let's just stand. Illness is rampant in the body of Christ because of our self-hatred for our bodies. We come up to an altar call. We ask God to heal us. The devil leaves for about an hour. That spirit of infirmity. And then he goes, oh, I'll meet you back at your house later tonight. When you come into agreement in front of that mirror again. God wants to break the power of the evil one lying to us about how God made us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful in His sight. Lovely to Him. 
And he has entrusted his Holy Spirit to you. And you can trust him for your future. Just talk to him right now before him. If you've ever said to yourself, I hate that part of my body. Or you've been tormented in fear about that part of your body. Just say, you know what? I trust you, God. You're going to send me the right spouse. We're going to have great enjoyment, great love. I trust you with my future. I want to walk holy before you. Help me walk holy. Help me walk this out holy. Help bring me to the person that I'll be with, Lord. Guide that whole process. I trust you. I trust you. Come, Holy Spirit. Forgive me for any time I've ever said I hate myself. Forgive me for any time I've ever said, God forbid, I wish I were dead. When the evil one has been so oppressive. We've come into agreement at such a level. We've been unable to see the glory of our own frame. Or we've been hurt or wounded or mistreated. And the Lord wants to let you know He can restore you just like He restored my wife. Who have been traumatized and violated. The Lord can redeem all those things. The resurrected Lord, when He was raised from the dead, the very first person He visited was an ex-prostitute. He who's forgiven much will love much. Jesus is looking for the outflow of love. Tonight, if you've blown it in your past, and statistics tell me that most of this room has, push delete right now, receive the blood of Jesus. Ask for that cleansing flow. Ask Him to purify your eyes. You want a godly heritage. You want sons and daughters who walk in purity. Ask God to break the power of images out of your mind and life. Receive the cleansing flow of the Lord Jesus tonight. Come Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, Satan, we take authority over you. We break your power in the name of Jesus. I want you to just repeat after me. Father, thank you. Thank you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You made me. You fashioned me. And thank you that one day you're going to clothe me in glory. You're going to give me a resurrected body. Perfect in every way. Until then, thank you for this body that contains your Holy Spirit. That contains your power, contains your presence, contains your love. Thank you. Thank you. Father, forgive me. 
for anything I've done harmful to this body. Forgive me for sexual immorality. Forgive me for lust. Forgive me for looking at that which I should not have looked at. Cleanse my eyes. Cleanse my hands. Cleanse my body. I plead the blood of Jesus. From the top of my head. To the bottom of my feet. And I ask your forgiveness. For any sins committed in the body. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For washing me. Cleansing me. Forgiving me. In Jesus name. Father show me how glorious you made me. I pick up my dignity. As a son of God. I pick up my dignity. As a precious child of God. Thank you. And Satan, in the name of Jesus, I renounce your lies. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of lust. In the name of Jesus, I renounce fear. In the name of Jesus, I renounce self-hatred. I will not hate that which God loves. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I renounce every lying, foul spirit. I break my agreement with you. Shut your mouth and leave right now in Jesus' name. I command every foul spirit in the name of Jesus, every unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. To leave me right now. I break your power. I command you to go. In Jesus name. I dedicate my bedroom. I dedicate my bathroom. To the glory of the Lord. I tear down altars to devils. Where I've come into agreement with lies. I tear them down. In Jesus name. My bedroom. My bathroom. Will be a chamber of encounter. Father send the angels. To my bedroom. To my bathroom. Ho! Oh, in Jesus' holy name.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I am Hepzibah. The Lord delights in me. I am Beulah. I am married to Him. I am fit for a king. In Jesus' name. I receive my new name. Hepzibah. Beulah. Now Lord, set me on the wall. Make me a watchman. You've given me a new name. Now set me on the wall. Let me give you no rest. Till you make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Oh, glory. 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 Now just receive the love of God right now. Just receive the love of God. Just receive it. Oh, you feel that? That's clean. Hallelujah. Freedom. over the room Lord release your joy Just release it come Holy Spirit <laughs> oh come Holy Spirit make this a chamber of encounter oh yeah he's got a good future for you just come Lord come I just received the love of God. He's just going to move in your heart. You say it's too good to be true what you said tonight. You're right. It's so good. It's so good. But it is true. His beauty for my ashes. Oh God. Come Holy Spirit. Strengthen my brothers and sisters. Bless them. Fill them. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh! Oh! 
more, more, Lord. Increase your presence. Increase. Oh, Ramare. He loves you. He loves you. receive the love of God you feel that lightness that cleanness and that lightness the Lord breaking off fear and anxiety off of you you can trust him just tell him I trust you father I trust you I trust you I trust you fill me with your love tonight fill me with your love Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your good pleasure. Fill me. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me tonight. All night long like waves of your glory. Waves of your glory. Waves of your glory. All night long. Waves of your glory. Waves of your glory. All night long, wave of of your glory. Oh, my. Oh. Some of you, the Holy Spirit right now is breaking off the trauma of bad breakups. And the lies that were lodged in your heart from those breakups. He's breaking off the trauma of it. He's removing the trauma. He's restoring your nobility and your dignity. He's breaking off the lies of those wounds. The Holy Spirit's coming with His love right now. He's washing over you. 
He's speaking his affirmation. He says, you can trust me. You can trust me. I'm with you. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. He's breaking off the trauma. In the name of Jesus, I command trauma. Oh, trauma to go right now. Trauma on the heart to go right now. In Jesus' name. And I speak blessing. 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 A Father's blessing. 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 Receive the love of God. Just receive His love. Receive it. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. receive the love of God. He loves you. Come Holy Spirit. Increase your presence. Freedom. Joy. It's that fire of your love God.
and I belong to you. Yes, And I belong to you. We belong to you, Lord. Yes, God. Just begin to sing this song with it. And I belong to you. We belong to you, God. And I And I belong to you. And I belong to you. We belong to you, God. We belong to you. And I We belong to you. And I belong. And I belong to you. I belong to you, God. And I I belong to you. And I belong to you. I belong. And I I belong to you. Just receive it, the love of God, that you belong to Him. And I belong to you. Yes, God. And I I belong to you. I belong to you, Lord. And I belong. I belong to you. Yes, God. And I I belong to you. There's 
another course and goes, Abba, you still have my affections. And Abba, yeah, I belong to you. belong to you. I'm not the world's. I am yours. I am yours. In Zabba, I belong to you. Yes, Jesus. Oh, God. In Zabba, you still have my affections. Abba, my heart is yours. Just keep singing that. Abba, you have my affections. And Abba, you still have my affections. And Abba, my heart is yours. And Abba, you still have my affections. And Abba, my heart is yours. And Abba, you still have my affections. And Abba, my heart is yours. that you belong to him in Java I belong to you in Java sing it to him in I belong I belong to you, God. I belong to you, God. And I belong to you. And I belong to you. 
Cause you are closer Than the air I breathe Just keep singing that You're closer than the air I breathe You are closer Than the air I breathe He's so close to you He just wants to be with you You are closer in the air I breathe. You're more real than this song I sing. Cause you're more real than this song I sing. You're more real, God. You're more real, God. You sing it out. You're more real than this song I sing. You're right here, right now. In my weakness, you are here. You're cleansing me. You're closer. Because you are closer than the air I breathe. You're so close, God. You're with me, Lord. You're with me, Lord. You are closer than the air I breathe. Oh, you're so close, God. Abba, I belong. And Abba, I belong to you. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> In Zabba, I belong to you. yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I belong. the voices in Zabba I belong to you we belong to you God we belong to you Lord Abba in Zabba I belong to you right here right now what can separate me from your love, God? And I belong to you. Just receive it. Just receive the love of Christ. Oh. And I belong to you. We belong to you, God, oh Lord, oh, Jesus. And I belong to you. You're closer. Because you are closer. 
Sing that Abba, I belong to you again. In Abba, I belong to you. <laughs> Jesus. In Abba, I belong to you. Do you believe it? And Sing it out. I belong. belong. time Abba and Abba I belong to you let's just all lift our hands and sing this one last time oh we love you God and Abba I belong to you we belong to God. Oh, yes, we do. In Zabba, I belong to you. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your joy. 
Thank you, God, for your grace, the blood of Christ that washes us as white as snow. The blood of Christ that washes us, the righteousness of Christ that covers us, clothes us. And this truth, we stand on this word, we stand on this truth to silence every voice of devils. That seeks to try to establish strongholds in our bodies, in our, in our hearts, in our minds. We thank you, God, that your truth has given us a new revelation, a fresh revelation of your truth. And we will know that truth, and we'll walk in that truth, and that truth will set us free. Yeah, Father, I just thank you, Lord. Yeah, I thank you that even as... Uh, Alan was just uh, speaking forth these things. These are, uh, these are things that you've already been speaking here. And we thank you that God is just... Holy Spirit, it is you who is speaking these messages over us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we think we take ourselves seriously. But Lord, you're, you're just calling us... To take ourselves even more seriously. Because what you're about to do through these young people, this young generation, through this church and other churches represented here, God. It's just the magnitude of it, oh Lord. It's just no eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. But God, you're revealing it to us by your spirit. And we believe it, God. We believe it, God. We thank you that all these outpourings and all of this joy, oh God, is for the purpose that we may go forth faithfully, Lord, and endure and persevere to the end, Lord, to glorify your name, Lord, to bring great pleasure to your heart. Yeah. We just praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord.